Welcome to happy times and places in which you're locked in a hotel room with your greatest fear. And that's me, Toby Haydoke, watching an episode of Doctor Who chosen by a friend of mine and trying to identify their five favourite things about it. Right. Is that okay? Yes. Hello. My name is Stefan Allen. I am a stand-up comedian. That's what I've been doing um, full-time for the last six years, pretty much. Uh, though in lockdown, I also started a Torchwood podcast with my brilliant friend Kim. We watch an episode of Torchwood and talk about it. And the other thing I'm known for, for Doctor Who fans, is that I was in The Day of the Doctor, the 50th anniversary episode. I was just an extra, but I was a very cool extra. I was one of Queen Elizabeth I's uh, henchmen, guards, so I got to threaten and meet three different Doctors Who in that uh, my relationship with Doctor Who is that I've always been a fan of it. My mother loved it and introduced me to it. I think probably the first episode I properly saw was the 1996 TV movie. But given that there wasn't a series on when I was growing up, I just sort of dipped into everything. So to me, Doctor Who has never just been a TV series. It's also been the comics, the novels, um, the audio dramas, I suppose, when they started. Uh, the webcasts, that was a big thing in the early 2000s when I was really getting into it. Uh, and then I f absolutely fell in love with Russell T. Davis's relaunch of it as well. Uh, Russell T. Davis and I grew up on the same street in Swansea. Uh, and so for me, as uh, a bisexual Welsh um, Doctor Who fan, there could not have been a more perfect relaunch of a show that I already loved so much. So I haven't chosen a Russell T. Davis era episode for Toby to watch. Uh, I have chosen a, a Matt Smith episode. Matt Smith, for me, I think, had a bit of a tough job, just speaking personally. I'd loved the Russell T. Davis version so much. That was so perfect for me. It, it was a bit apprehensive going into a new era with a very different authorial voice and a very different style. Uh, so, you know, I, they, they, I didn't always connect with certain creative decisions that that production made. It wasn't quite to my taste in some ways. But I've chosen the Matt Smith episode that I watched and thought, oh, this is so good. And it's not just good because it's kind of reminiscent of the past. It's good in its own right. It's a very pure Matt Smith era episode, and I love it. And that episode is The God Complex. Uh, so I won't say anything more about The God Complex other than uh, how much I like it and how much I'm excited to hear Toby watch and enjoy that story. Oh, well, I think that's one of the best intros we've ever had from uh, Stefan, a comic I've worked with, I think, only once, maybe. But of course, we got on and, uh, you know, we did the secret the secret little handshake. Um, I think he just said, I like Doctor Who too. Um, but um, I thought that was a lovely intro. Same street as Russell T. Davis, eh? Oh, and and I'm, yeah, come, comes from Doctor Who from a completely different perspective because, I mean, I'm not sure how I'm allowed to know somebody and also how somebody can have a beard when they were brought up in the wilderness years. Surely those people are still infants. Um, but I very much liked uh, Stefan's presentation. For those of you that can't see, uh, he's uh, because uh, this is audio and a visual. Uh, well, it will be visual uh, at some point. The visuals come out much later. Um, uh, he's he's he was doing his intro in front of uh, posters of the uh, of the Jodie Whittaker Tardis era crew, um, which, as I record this, 
is uh, is is a, is about to come to its end. We have two episodes of Jodie Whittaker left, but uh, um, oh well, these have Bradley Walsh and Toes in Coal, so uh, uh, not the, not even the current. But I still think of them. I still think of Peter Capaldi as relatively new. I still think of the episode we're about to watch, uh, The God Complex, which is one I've seen a few times, and it is, I have to say, uh, possibly my favourite of that that season. Um, so we're we're starting well. Um, but let's see what uh, uh, what we make of it. Uh, so I have it on BBC iPlayer, but however you have it, uh, you're going to press play in three, two, one, go. Oh, I press pause. <laughs> it's never, it's 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 never a good start. This, this this podcast never starts well because it starts with me. Um, uh, I love the the production design of this this hotel, but I, I remember being particularly struck. Look at that shadow on the wall, um, and that's very The Shining, isn't it? With the low level camera sort of creeping along the uh, the, the the sort of plush, but you know very very colourful. Um, but as we'll discover, it's quite quite it's all quite naff. The the the, the design of the hotel deliberately uh, hotel carpet. Uh, and uh, ah, now Damon Jeffrey. Now I've got to talk. Uh, I know this is a brilliant opening, but uh, the clown uh, was in Survival. He's one of the uh, he's one of the uh, people that have been in Old and New Who, but he's in a different subcategory because he's uh, an extra. He's not credited. I think he was a cheetah person in Survival, but he's also the guy Dave who goes oh no and gets got at the beginning. Uh, and uh, uh, he's an actor, but he does support he does supporting artist work. I know he was in a production of Emily Williams' Someone Waiting. I think in Telford because I it was in it as an amateur, young amateur actor, and my friend went to see this other production and got the program for me, and it said Damon Jeffrey playing my part uh, as an actor, and he's been in Doctor Who, and so then I, you know, he's he, he jumped out at the list of uh, at the list of, of the list of uh, supporting artists in Classic Who because I don't know the names of all of those. I know the names of quite a lot of them, but uh, what am I doing? I'm talking about. A man who's in its first... I think he comes back later. But I like that link that he has with survival. But um, we're not talking about this uh, uh, character who uh, does not make it uh, beyond uh, the opening titles, but we feel for her. Um, and she and she's, she gives a very good performance. Um, but she's there to do that thing that many people we meet at the beginning of Doc 2 do, which is die. Uh, and we have the, but this amazing uh i think it's a debut uh on doctor who um from nick curran the director who i think uh put that entire pre-credit sequence together magnificently and i love the addition of the you know the typeface and the and praise him written down uh, as and but 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 the the, the timing of the that the monster appearing the, the use of shadow the use of um uh, out of focus uh it's a really disturbing and intriguing opening uh, that whole that whole opening is really you know it's got so much it's got the, the room with the clown and the gorilla and all of that sort of thing so it's you know it, it's it's raising a lot of questions uh oh, i love matt smith um but i think i think um nick curran's a, a really really good director and i think that will be shown look at that shot uh, that that sort of aerial shot with all the stairs winding down and it's it's, it's yeah it's, it's superb amy beaky <laughs> uh and uh, and matt smith's just great isn't he i'm a, i'm a big fan of, of of matt smith uh i think 
you know, the fact that he he looks like he's sort of being flung around a story <laughs> is is brilliant. His body language is extraordinary. Um, and uh, the cheese plant now, because isn't it? I can't remember. Isn't it supposed to be a a a, a, a naff? It's a naff Earth hotel, isn't it? I uh, I uh, I've got a feeling I was staying in a Britannia. Other not very good hotels are available. A Britannia hotel when I watched this. Um, and, and certainly, the, you know, I think the attention to detail of the production design of these places is very evocative. But then it's shot to make it, you know, a, in a science fiction, spooky, unnerving way. But it's uh, it's it's a, it, the colours all work brilliantly. And I, I love this that the, you know, all the all the people who uh, that's Marcus Wilson. That is Marcus Wilson, the producer, who has he been to this house? Now, I've I've only sort of spoken to him very briefly a couple of times, but um he he does a lot of work uh with um trying to get disabled people uh more you know better access to to work in television uh, via my partner's um charity that she founded called Dank and one of the first producers she got on board who's now a board member uh was Marcus Wilson and I I don't think he knows my the whole Doctor Who thing I've got going because um it's it's never seemed appropriate to bring it up because we've not met under Doctor Who circumstances um but that was him on the picture and i love the fact that everyone's in a school uniform so clever doctor who when it plays upon our sort of childhood memories i, I love the doctor's <laughs> reaction to uh to rita who i'm sure we'll talk about and here's david williams who i think actually gets lost slightly in the mix although that's such a great joke <laughs> our national anthem insert uh name here and and I think is he called Dimitri Leonidas? This actor as, as as Howie the geek, but I think he's he's a really nicely judged and played geek. He's no, he's you know he's no uh, Whiskid, and there's nothing wrong with Whiskid. I think Whiskid is great fun, but it's a different style of show and characterization. And this this does that, you know, that great Doctor Who thing of oh, it's a base under siege, but it's a it's a terrible hotel under siege and here are the characters that we're going to meet and we're going to care for and this sort of program is my meet and drink i love people say oh season five gets very repetitive because it's all people stuck base getting picked off i'm like that's doctor who to me <laughs> and you know at christmas we used to watch the poseidon adventure throw a load of people together have them menaced by something it reminds me a bit of a comic strip in eagle that i had called house of Damon was it called and I can't remember the details of it it's actually now lining my cupboard under the stairs because I was uh, I hung on to my legal comics because they will be worth a fortune one day uh, and then five <laughs> looked at them on eBay but even it was like 250 for a fiver uh, but I didn't want to throw them away having hauled them around the country I'd had them longer than I've had wives <laughs> and uh, and she said why don't you uh, you know, why don't you... So we've wallpapered the shed and the cupboard under the stairs. And I've done a, did a, did a bit of decoupage on this on this shelving behind me with Doomlord. <laughs> but House of Damon, I think, is in the cupboard under the stairs. And that was a group of people in a house that sort of... Uh, one of them got pulled down a whirlpool. And they all... They, a different one sort of died every week. They also... They, actually, it turned out in the end they were all okay. Um, but but that was it. It was basically who's going who's gonna to get picked off this week. Um, uh, and, and, you know, that... that that is, you know, that's that's drama I can very much get an angle on. Uh, I love Amara Karan, uh, the actress playing Rita. I think she's terrific. I th this character made a real impression on me. Oh, 
and this i totally forgotten about this i look at that the that's a, that's a leaf ad i love the bit in the empty child when the when the monkey with the symbol starts going for reasons that i'm not sure ever explained but um these ventriloquists dummies sort of remind me a bit of that taking a sort of old toy and because it's old it then uh, it then uh, has a you know has an association with you know with death and the passage of time and mortality and that opens the door to mortality so there's something a bit spooky about toys added to which the fact that old ventriloquists dummies are pretty weird looking uh, i think that's a great image and the the, the brilliant use of um slightly tilted camera uh and 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 uh, out of focus foreground and background i i mean as a, uh, you know I, no spoiler alert nick curran is definitely going to be uh one of my choices because uh, and i could see why they asked him to do uh the 50th anniversary because i think he is such a good director he's, he's got such a a, a a sympathy for the material he knows exactly what he's doing this guy's great as well daniel piri is he's having to do that difficult thing of uh of of slightly sort of deranged acting but he's he's got a nice sort of he, he's 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 got the he's got the slight detachment right but also he's got the uh, the, the slight oddness but but also you 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 but yeah it's, but, and ah and, oh, that's really spooky and the way that they keep going yeah it's uh and this is you know this is this is this has started at a lick. We've we've had the pre-titles. We we, we realise that the, you know the doors have walls behind them, so they're trapped in, uh, and something is going very wrong. And and Smith is great because uh, I think he really judges the the tone of the drama. Right? Oh look, a cassette, a cassette. <laughs> uh, he's got a brilliant face, hasn't he? And oh, and I love that the film the the, the occasional shots we get of the uh, the hotel security camera. Um, <laughs> he's very funny, David Williams. I forgot, but as I say, when I think of this, I don't really think of his uh, his parts much. Which is oddly normally because you know we'd go well, well. He's the you know he's the main guest star. He's the he's the he's the famous one. But actually, he's it's very much an ensemble piece. Um, uh, and then the oh, that's very. Here comes the chopper to chop off your head. Always invoke an old uh, nursery rhyme. Uh, to, to to make things even scarier, so they do that in 1984, don't they? Uh, uh, Mr. Charrington says it uh, in uh, when when Winston and Julia get caught because they are, anyway. Let's not get into that. This is great. Uh, the, the 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 camera on the trolley. Um, uh, oh yeah, and of course because he's a because he's doing a great performance here because he's he is a bit of a Burke is Howie, but he's not playing. He's not playing. He's not playing that. He's playing the absolute truth of it, um, and and I love that line. You've come up with a theory even more insane than what's actually happening because of his his conspiracy theory. Because I, I yeah, conspiracy theorists are really annoying. Um, sorry if you are one. Um, uh, but but he ma manages to make a Michael, and that I totally get the PE teacher making you do it in your pants. Um, that's that's a this is it's such a brilliant idea, isn't it? That there's something in every every room is room 101, basically. There's something in your room that is a terrible thing. And having sort of gone, oh, how is a bit of a burk? Oh, that's brilliant! All that cutting. Uh, oh, and because he had a stammer. Um, so, so having sort of introduced him as a kind of yeah, he's a bit of a conspiracy theorist. You now feel really, really sorry for him, 
um, because I think there are quite a few Doctor Who fans who've had, if not groups of girls laughing at them, either ignoring them or just wanting to be their friend or generally dis- <laughs> making them feel disappointed at themselves somehow, <laughs> even if they didn't mean to. But those girls meant to. So, yeah, but also the PE teacher. You could tell this is written by a Doctor Who fan. You've got a PE teacher and mocking girls, Toby Whithouse. <laughs> um, but there are other, obviously, there are other real spooky things as well. Um, I just love the way Matt Smith walks. <laughs> and he's sort of slightly sort of go, oh, and that's clever, isn't it? Because that's the um, that's the horns have scraped the ceiling, haven't they? Oh, it's so good. Um, oh, yes. And Rory can see an exit. Now, that's a plot point, isn't it? Um, this is brilliant. This is brilliant because it's really... It's spooky and it's intriguing, uh, and and that that central premise of of the being of the being a room for everybody that is the thing that makes you scared. Um, oh yeah, ah yes, and oh well, here's a sad fact. Up until Toby Whithouse's latest episode, The Lie of the Land, every single episode of his of New Who has a cast member who has passed away in it I, I told him this and he was like really i'm not not sure it was over and it was actually before the lie of the land so actually it was every one of your and and the the sadly passed away person in this is it's called rashid rashid karapiet who is uh who's the guy that plays um uh rita's dad uh who is an actor who done loads of uh uh really interesting stuff you know a handful of lines here um but had had a very interesting life and career um and died not not too long uh, after this uh, i think i think he got an obit in the guardian i said i read about it in a newspaper anyway um uh, and and realized oh gosh there's more to that actor who you know is a small part in one particular episode of doctor who than than uh, initially you might think because really good actors with illustrious histories sometimes need to do parts that are two or three lines these days uh but yes it means that uh, up until the lie of the land yes there is because uh, the, because there's uh, um uh Elizabeth Sladen in School Reunion. Uh, there's the guy Neil Fingleton who played the Fisher King in the, uh, you know, Before the Flood. Uh, the, you know, the that one. Uh, uh, and uh, the the preacher in uh, A Town Called Mercy. Anyway, you don't want another. Why? In a conversation with Toby Haydock, you're never six sentences, no more than six sentences away from a list of the dead. Um, oh, that's they. They look slightly animated. Those. Uh, is that clever animation? They look the 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 release of his uh, the release of his bonds. But poor old Joe, uh, I think he does a really good performance. And I love I love all that cut, cutting from a smile to a scream to the praise him in different letters to and the quick and the fast. Oh, it's it's such a smart directorial choice that is offbeat. It's unsettling. It's original. Uh, it, it's uh, oh, and actually that's a brilliant because that the the dragging of the feet round round the corner is desperately awful and actually quite comical it's it's oh look at the way he runs uh, <laughs> he's like and that and the cutting is sympathetic to the performance it's sort of it's the way that it is cut is sort of conjuring the way that the doctor is sort of careering from place to place i think all doctors irrespective of having big speeches and chemistry tests with the uh, the putative companions I, I think all doctors should have a screen test where they run up and down corridors running down corridors to coin a phrase uh, available for more good bookshops um is uh, oh that's right yeah and 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 and, and 
such, such a great choice to have him eyes open sitting up not not the usual way we expect to see somebody dead and now we've got a bloody a sort of crany type shot from the ceiling superb uh, and the kettle kicking in uh, to, and then joining in with the sonic screwdriver but i i love the way that matt smith runs he runs almost like he's a sort of he's a he's a puppet who's who's bottom half is being blown one way down the corridor and whose Geppetto is at the other end pulling and he's, he's sort of yeah he's sort of careering he's he is he's like a sort of disjointed epileptic marionette <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it really but it really gives him a sort of urge because Davison has that thing doesn't he where he chooses the wrong corridor and comes back and that's a and David Tennant does it as well doesn't he in, in Army of Ghosts but 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 Smith almost does a sort of he's 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 like sort of silly putty sort of surging around one corner and then being sort of pulled back the other um it's great subtle uh, makeup job on David Williams there uh, and it's a, it must be a you know the trick to it is you know you still want the viewers at home to know it's David Williams um but that there's something sort of dormousey about them they like dorm and that sort of has affected the way he's he's done his performance but I think, of course, it's the weeping angel's brother. I, th I think the. Oh, and he's sly, isn't he? Oh, that little raised diver. Oh, and that's that self-satisfied little smoke. He's horrible, and that's clever. That's a great line. Whenever the doctor gets pally with somebody, I get an overwhelming urge to notify their next of kin. I love Rory, and I think Arthur Darville's brilliant. Um, they're a great TARDIS team, this, actually, because they've just done, haven't they, The Girl Who Waited, which I thought was also an excellent episode. Um, but they're, they're sly, the Tivoli. We'll, we'll get, I'm sure we'll get to David Williams. Uh, I really like this actress, and, and, and she's just got her own series on uh, on the BBC. And we, 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 Shaz and I tend to watch sort of British independent movies as, 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 as well, sort of, you know, romantic comedies and things like that. There's loads of them that you don't know exist that you, you can find on Netflix and places. Uh, and and she was in one about rival curry houses that we watched. I was pleased that she got the lead in that. She's really, really good. She's really charismatic. She, I think she's got a real lightness of touch without uh, without um, without taking a sly glance at the material. Do you know what I mean? Um, oh, now and this is interesting. Oh, that's a great response. And and you're a Muslim. Don't be frightened. It's very very funny. And that's it. And I was going to say. And actually, it's very refreshing to have, you know, a Muslim character where uh, it's not all about the fact that they're Muslim. That's not important. But it, it sort of kind of is. And yet it's it's done deftly enough that you, we, we don't come out of this going, oh, well, the only reasons Rita's in it is because of her religion. It's an organic part of her. And so of, of, and it's and it's important to her, but not in a way that it, it's the only part of her character. Uh, but it would be wrong to say, oh, and, you know, but it doesn't matter because it actually does. It still speaks to the subtext, but I think it's very nicely done. And I and I like the don't be frightened response. Um, and, you know, Doctor Who is a series that, you, you know, if it wants to, can take the mickey out of religion. And I think that's fine, too. But, uh, 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 you know, because... Um, you know, when you're dealing with all in time, time and space, the ideas of of gods can seem a, a little bit quaint. But he's very respectful there, um, uh, and, uh, and and sh and 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 she's not seen as being foolish for believing in something, which is, you know, which is which is interesting for a series that can sometimes be quite glib about such things. Um, 
Uh, of course, so the gorilla was hers, that's right. Um, oh yes, because they, they, the gaps between my worshippers are like contractions. That's a really clever sort of um, science, science, scientific rationale or explanation for why, you know, for why what is happening is what is happening. Oh, and it's quite, oh, and that's beautiful because it's an involuntary thing. He doesn't realise that he said it. He reminds me a bit of my son, actually. Oh, this is so sad. Oh, because that's really horrible. Uh, there's something worse, isn't there, about the idea that somebody might might know that they're doomed. Do you know what I mean? You sort of say, oh, I'd, I'd, rather, uh, I'd rather not know anything about it. And then you go, well, I'd, I'd like to, because I'd like to prepare and say goodbye to people. But this is, this is horrible because it's like, he's, it's like he's in the waiting room at death row, you know. He said praise him, so he knows that he's, he's kind of doomed. And, and, and we see that as, as sort of extra specially tragic because he's got knowledge of his own, you know, he's been forewarned of his own imminent demise, and that's really horrible. Uh, uh, that's that's a bit like uh, a line in uh, horror fang rock isn't it the uh, you know uh, do, do you think that, that whatever it is will satisfy its appetite by, by the time it gets to you uh, i think skincell says it to lord palmerdale which is a nice which is a nice line which i used a sort of variation of in my adaptation of nigel neal's the road this i love the way that uh, doctor the doctor s sort of brings uh Gibbis uh, uh, brings him to task here. There's a, you know, for, for all Matt Smith's uh, light eccentricity, you know, when he needs to turn on the the severe, he really does it. But he never, or he very rarely, you know, he can do it quietly. And behind that smile, there's there's a there's a threat. And and I think David Williams is great. And I think there that's a great idea for a character because it seems like it's a joke. Oh, we just like getting conquered. But actually, it's a, yeah, it's oppressive submissiveness, which is a, a really great idea and, and very well put together. Oh, poor old, oh, so they, yes, that's right. So they have to, they have, yeah, so they have to, they have to get Howie into the, into the place to find out the information. So that, you know, that works. That's a useful way of, of them solving some of the, some of the plot. Uh, oh, yeah, it's... Uh, look at all the attention to detail in the set dressing as well. But there's so many, so good use of close-ups in this. I wonder if it's because I'm watching it on a, on a big telly now, which I wouldn't have done at the time. Uh, as I say, I think I watched it on a small hotel telly or, or even on my, my laptop in a hotel. I can't remember. But this, you know, I haven't... But but seeing it on the big screen as I am, the the the, the big sort of close-ups that you've got of everybody really help for the atmosphere. Although that actually that close-up there of M Matt Smith was a nice big hero shot. These corridors are great for cameras creeping down slowly, and and we still haven't seen the creature in full. We've had really extreme close-ups. Oh, that's great. So that's the chandelier wobbling. There's a there's a hair salon as well. Oh, and with water and the fish, <laughs> and that wallpaper. Um, oh yes, because it's all done through sort of dripping water, isn't it? And, and mirrors. Oh, and then you've got having had the shadow of the Minotaur, which is really scary. We then have the shadow of <laughs> uh, uh, Arthur Darville's mop, uh, <laughs> Rory's mop. <laughs> oh, yay! Damon Jeffrey off of survival. 
Uh, <laughs> Don't talk to the clown. <laughs> oh yes, and there's the explanation for why there's uh, why there's uh, broken ceiling. Um, this is great because so much has happened, uh, and it feels like we're getting a bit of a climax now. Although actually, much more to come. But you know, okay, now he's confronting the monster, and this is brilliantly shot through that water, uh, uh, and and through the mirrors, uh, which of course, because because this is all reminiscent, because it's a because it's a minotaur, it's reminiscent of the the Greek myths, uh, uh, and that's got the Medusa thing where you could only look at her through the mirror. So uh, it it just helps you to make a little bit of sense of the monster if if it's sort of depicted and told in terms that we've got a sort of um that we've got a background in in a way because it's part of our you know historical teachings as it were a part of our myths and legends um <laughs> uh, and yeah look at look at and, and this this en enables nick curran to do all sorts of clever bits of really interesting shooting you know you don't get this sort of thing in in a lot of tv drama this is such so cleverly shot the way that we see the different versions of the doctrine different bits of the different reflections or um and and the focus and the out of focus it's really clever um and of course he's a uh, he's related to the naimon isn't he that's right <laughs> um And of course, yes, because the, the doctor still hasn't worked out quite what's going on. And it's not... Um, uh, uh, and it actually, it also makes you feel the loss of ev everybody in this, doesn't it, as well? And he's so young. This is, this is also the terrible thing. Because when I was a kid watching Doctor Who, uh, you know, anyone that died was a grown-up, you know. But now I'm watching it and you watch characters younger than you. I'm probably old enough to be his dad. Do you know what I mean? And then you suddenly go, God, so young. And then you go, oh, no, I'm so old. And it makes you aware of your own mortality. <laughs> uh, and, and, and only in Doctor Who could you have uh, the hero confronting uh, a giant minotaur alien in a hair salon. <laughs> but uh, so well shot. Um And this this could be quite clunky, but it but it just but it just works. Um, uh, but partially because the the minotaur, you know, the design is so good, you get a real sadness emanating from that, you know, latex creature, um, and and having the doctor, having the doctor translate its its dialogue, if you like, its thoughts, or um, uh you know means your your main actor gets to do some lovely stuff oh poor old howie uh, uh and so then we have another uh, i love the way he does that with his hands <laughs> matt smith brilliant because it's 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 the it's the patrick troughton thing of you know you've got a you know he's got he's got a comedic gait but it it it, it, it never spoils the drama it never makes you think you're watching a comedy but it and actually, it helps with the sort of urgency. Um, oh, but the you know the the cast aside glasses means that you know we know 
we know poor old uh, Howie hasn't made it. But 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 that sort of comedy run. It's not a stupid run because it's it's genuinely the the, the character's body language. Oh look at that, the chief. The, that's sort of the chief Brody shot, isn't it? Where isn't it? Where the, the person in the foreground stays in in focus, and then they do they do something with the wide lens. You know what I mean? It's it's where the background all sort of um, is. It you keep focus on the foreground and you pull back on that. You know what I mean? The bit in Jaws where he's where he sees the shark, um, and it's a it's a thing. It's a thing with the lens. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, and that's. It's a brilliant, they're brilliantly long corridors, but you can smell those corridors. Uh, you can feel that carpet, actually. It's a great, great piece of design. Uh, Michael Pickwode, isn't it? I think Michael Pickwode was was a fantastic production designer. As well. And I met him, he was such a nice chap. Oh, I, I, do you know what I like? I like the way Karen Gillan stands uh, when she she pulls up short, having run towards something. And it's a stance in quite a lot of posters. Um, oh, and that's very that's a clever sort of misdirect because we're used to the the monster uh sort of coming around the corner out of focus and now we've got a different kind of monster uh and the doctor's disgust is uh is etched on his face but again he doesn't he has no need for histrionics um uh but that's that's such a sad image but again it's quite disturbing the fact that you know they still look sort of like a parody of being alive because he's sitting with his eyes open but the yeah the school, the school tie thing that they've got going on with the, with the the, the 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 sort of wall of the dead is is again it's just a, anything that reminds us of our childhood and I I see somebody in a sort of school tie and shirt and I can, you know I can I can, I can smell the, the 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 sort of soap and the and the and the, uh, and, the, and, the and the deodorant and the, uh, just what. What what close smell? He's just got over a massive stammer as well, uh, which is uh, I I have a slight. Uh, that's a great shot. Not all victory is about saving the universe, and that is very true. And that is that is key to that. Um, uh, oh, and the fish. The fish survived. <laughs> uh, the fish survived the onslaught of the of the of the minotaur beast. Um, uh, I, I I really like her character. She's so good. Uh, very much a sort of companion in waiting. And yes, of course, and that that's always I, I always quite and it's quite a god complex. And uh, hang on, isn't that another great thing? The title. Uh, and there's a joke in Horns of Nymon, isn't there? Uh, uh, he lives in the power complex. That fits. Uh, and this is god complex, and it's uh, it's a play on words. It's a complex with a god living in it, and also uh, you know the, the, she accuses the Doctor of having a god complex. It's a it's a brilliant dual title. Uh, oh, don't ask her to go with you, Doctor. She's doomed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's gr the, the 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 black and white uh, uh, security camera stuff is really great. Gives us another perspective. Um, and she's doing here. What she oh God! Ah, oh, and that cuts. That's like a. That's like an icicle through your heart oh that's the, oh um because the doctor's sort of you know just done his flirty will you be my companion thing and now he's charging about doing his own thing and he's left her behind and 
you know, she's in real danger. And it's a pre Chief Brody shot there as well. Uh, oh, yes, because he looks in, doesn't he? And, and we don't know what he sees. And I love... Uh, I love that because you can... Oh, and of course it's the cloister bell. Of course it is. Who else? Oh, and I think... Is it later, is it? Amos Crack? I think it might be. Uh, but I think I think my feeling was it was it was probably himself. Uh, I think we can all... Uh, oh, oh, yes. Give, just give us eat the fish. <laughs> just in case. Because you're, like, you're not sure. Because the, the scene between him and, and Howie, you know, it could have been that Howie did, you know, sort of... Um, uh, you know, he, he, did, he, did, he, did, he did try and show a little bit of... Uh, resistance, but it's just to get now. He's not to be trusted. He's horrible little. He's a horrible little mouse thing. Uh, oh, oh, this I remember. Yes. What's she doing? <clears throat> but she's. And this is this is great because it's a hotel. We uh, we suddenly have the, um, you know, he's he's seeing everything. It, it, it's it's sort of Kirk it's Kirk and Spock isn't it with Spock on the other side of the glass uh, so he's communicating with her but they can't they can't touch they can't get to each other and and the way that she reacts to this I get quite teary it makes me really really emotional I think I, I am a sucker for somebody being brave in the face of death in television programs i uh, i think the way i want to go is i might have said this before i want to be you know injured uh, and, and you know say leave me i'll hold them off that's the way i want to go or you know i'll i'll drive the i'll stay behind on the spaceship because you're never gonna get i'll only slow you down and i'll crash it into the whatever um and and she's so brave here um my faith in private i think that's so and, and the fact that she says that she's not frightened oh god it's it i'm at peace is and it's such a grown-up way of 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 the whole show dealing with this bearing in mind it's a show about a minotaur in a britannia hotel uh i find this gut-wrenching and i find the fact that the doctor can talk to her but he can't grab her he can't save her the fact it then goes into a bit of slow-mo as well the fact that she puts her arms out like that and lets it come oh it's oh i find it really really choking and emotional and moving and i think it's one of the great death scenes in doctor who and death scenes are important to doctor who and the fact that she smiles as she sees it oh it's so heartbreaking and then he turns the telly off <laughs> i find that really moving and really affecting and it's a credit to amara karan as well who's, who's done such made her such a great character she's a great character on paper as well but you you know there's still quite a lot of the story to go you, you know that's oh, a brilliant that we see the doctor but only just out of focus and at the end of shot and we're actually you know we've got a close-up of the wonderful karen gillen uh and, and, and Amy is sitting with Rory as we get the, the, the sort of big outpouring of the Doctor's emotion and that's a really far more effective way of showing it 
Um, oh, and he said, of course, through all that, one of the most, probably the most emotional bit of the whole story, you've got the, the occurrence of and then aftermath of, and that's very well remembered to be going, I've just eaten the fish, I'll pick one of its bones out of my teeth. We've got that, 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 that comedy moment of the fact that he's eaten the goldfish during it. <laughs> oh, I love this programme. It's so good. <laughs> and that's brilliant that uh, it's he, it, you think it's go so the doctor's done some clever working out here hasn't he you got the dice cufflinks and, and and that's where the fact that Rita had her faith um, uh, it it's it's uh, it's it's uh, it's it's um, they fall back on their faith. Uh, whereas in Curse of Fenric, your faith is what protects you. This is actually, it's, it's provoking the faith that provides the sucker for the beast. And that is very clever because I think it would have been clever enough to go show you the thing you fear, um, uh, and, and if you, you you fight it with your faith, um, because that makes sense, that's sort of psychic energy, whatever, whatever. But actually, it's a it's a bluff because it's the it's the finding of the faith that arms the creature and gives it its 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 strength. Uh, uh, so it's it's taking what would have been a perfectly reasonable plot uh, idea and taking a little bit further, and of course that then and that has an impact that was a lovely little moment for, for Rory to you know he still can't quite handle her faith in the doctor uh, so faith is the emotion that the creature needs to live yeah uh, oh and now she said it that was very clever the way that's thrown into the drama and then their looks both of those actors looks are brilliant uh, so he thinks he's she's answering the question but actually no, it's she is now. She is next. So good, so good. It's brilliant. It works brilliant on every level. I, I don't, I don't know anyone who, I, d I don't know how anyone cannot think this is an absolutely brilliant uh, piece of Doctor Who. I think it's got everything in now, and the monster runs as well. Yeah, because uh, look, I love the way she stands. I don't know. She's, she's, she's brilliant at standing. Matt Smith's brilliant at running. She's brilliant at standing. Uh, it's funny because around this time. Oh, and it's always a delight to see Amelia Pond. Oh, isn't there? Is there a better image in Doctor Who than that girl with the red boots on her suitcase, just innocently waiting for the Doctor to come and get her? It's heartbreaking. Um, I sometimes I'm sometimes not wild about you know the companions being a you know an enigma to solve or something like that. Uh, but but I, I I do think the I do think the the Amy Pond story of of you know her waiting for the doctor and him not coming back and then him coming back years later is a it throws open a lot of really interesting things and it ties in with the fact that you know we discover the doctor in our childhood uh uh and, and in a way the doctor is the the focal point of a lot of the the highs and lows of my childhood because it was the it was the one constant thing that that made me happy um that it was you know, either an accompaniment to other moments of great happiness or a, or a comfort in, in moments the other end of the, the spectrum. So I think I actually think it's a, a, 
a, a, a, a genius idea actually to 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 tie Amy in with her childhood and her relationship into the Doctor in with her child with her childhood. A madman in a box, and I love that madman in a box. It's great. Um, and it's very and it's actually very heartbreaking. And it's and it actually because I always consider this story to be a sort of. Um, self-contained one and and, and and less of a less of a sort of mythology one but of course they leave at the end of this so it's not but that's funny because i don't think of it in that way even though this moment you know uh kicks into to what happens at the end of this episode which which you know has has some ramifications for the for, for the long term of these characters um but i but i think of this as less of an art i wonder why Maybe just because it's all set in the hotel. I don't know. I think of this as less of an arc story, even though it's got plenty of arc stuff in it. Um, Karen Gillan knew, but only sort of knew, a friend of my then wife's. And um, they all ended up going out for a drink together. And she was she was in Doctor Who. And, uh, and I still never quite figured out how they all ended up going out. Then there was a picture of Catherine with Karen Gillan, and she, you know, she went, well, "Do you have a nice night?" Yeah, yeah. And we were, you know, Karen Gillan, we, and and there was only a small handful of them. Um, but I, 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 some, it's sometimes bizarre how I, I think back to some of these things and go, "Did that actually happen?" And it did. It did. It was definitely not a dream. <laughs> and uh, Caitlin Blackwood met my stepson Ethan at. Uh, at a convention and she, he was sort of quite near to her age and she was and he's he's deaf and uh uh, uh and uh, had, had some sort of socialization issues and she was so so delightful with him she was really really kind and sweet to him uh i was very impressed by her um and that's that's uh that's out sound now we're suddenly in science fiction and this is a very uh simple uh sort of deconstruction of the set distant cousin of the Nymon. love that <laughs> you you can uh, you can invoke the horns of Nymon, but it but it makes absolute sense um, oh it's a bit it's a bit sapphire and steel isn't it and uh, you've got to love a bit of sapphire and steel uh, of yeah it's like a sort of box looking out into space there's my planet <laughs> I love the way he does that. Very good, David Williams. But again, I always sort of forget he's uh, he's in this. Um, she's stunningly beautiful, isn't she, Karen Gillan? Uh, and very good. I've, I I don't always get on with the character of Amy Pond. I don't know why. Perhaps we'll discover as I uh, as I watch more more of these. But I don't know why watching this because I think she's absolutely good, great in this. It's no criticism of of Karen Gillan I think is brilliant and I think in the previous adventure The Girl Who Waited gives an absolutely phenomenal performance uh, and she's stunningly beautiful uh, and she's funny and as I say she can she's, I love the way she stands so I wonder what it is because I, I haven't seen a lot of these for a long time um, oh, I, and I love the way in, in the, the, you know the doctor can is, is so unsqueamish about dealing with a uh, a, a sort of giant bull monster. It's a, it reminds me a bit of the way that Pertwee is with uh, with Agador. You know, uh, there's no there's no squeamishness there at all. But that's a beautiful moment. You know, uh, where the the Minotaur creature is not 
talking about himself. He's talking about you, Doctor. And that, that speaks to the great sadness within the Doctor. And I, I quite like that. Without, I don't think it needs to be mined too deeply. But if there's an inherent, there is an inherent melancholy about somebody who's seen the beginning and end of time and everyone in between. Because everyone he knows is dead. You know, everyone, you know, all he has to do is jump in his box and travel forward 200 years. And everyone he's just spent time with is dead. Uh, uh, and, and the Doctor lives a long time as well. So that, that adds to that. Um, and and so all of his friendships can only be transient, even if they're intense three-year ones, because in the great scheme of things, they are much smaller than you know an intense three years would be, say for for me or you, because we're humans, and three years in our time scale is 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 shorter. I I love I love Rory. He's so good. <laughs> and it's funny because they're the they're the I'm assuming they're the same kind of age, but you really do buy. And, Arthur, and, and Rory can do that sort of familiar stuff with him, but you still do buy that, that, that these people are separated by, by the nature of what they are. Um, yeah. Aww. Yeah, and he's, he's great at that. Um, you know, he's got the, uh, the, the old man and the young man's body. And didn't Stephen Moffat say he was like a, a, a bad drawing of a handsome man which i think is a great description of his face because he's beautiful but he is but he but it but he is slightly out his, his face is not is not the sort of classical shape of a beautiful man it is slightly uh pulled and pummeled and you know, uh, you know yeah yeah he's he's a he's an interesting looking guy uh great casting for the doctor He's he's a really instinctive doctor, and I, I you know I wasn't wild about the idea of a younger doctor, at all, and I, I think he's so good. I think he's really brilliant. He he's he, he's totally Doctor Who. He's totally Doctor Who. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh. And I'm not you know I know friends of mine who are, who aren't keen on Doctor Who being emotional, but I I've never had a problem with that, and I mean I. You know, I cried when Sarah Jane left and when Zoe and Jamie left. When I, I cried at the target book of the war games when Zoe and Jamie left because I was appalled and I was also appalled at the idea that they'd had their memories wiped. I'm still deep down very angry about that. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, and that was as emotional as you could get in sort of kid-friendly telly in, in those days, I'm guessing. Whereas, you know, we're we're more attuned to that sort of stuff now so i'm a i'm i'm a i'm perfectly on board with the uh with the soppy stuff so long as it is done like anything so long as it is done well and i think this is done very well in this episode um and i was uh, i remember being quite pleased to see them sort of settle down that idea that you know after the tumult of being buffeted through some you know quite emotional adventures uh, and look at the light coming in from the TARDIS. It's just little bits like that. Oh, that's a great wave and the look on his face. And how, ah, brilliantly acted by those two. Brilliantly acted. Really high quality stuff. And I do like the giant, the old big TARDIS too. Ah, uh, oh, yeah. I think that's terrific. And yes, because of course in the old series, the thing the TARDIS didn't sort of make leaves blow around and things like that. I like all those additions that we've had with New Who that now we can do a few more things. Um, if it's because I don't know if there's more time or uh, more resources or whatever it is, uh, yeah. And that idea that he's 
he's saving us yeah is is really very very moving it's you know a bit of self-sacrifice and that is a terrific terrific shot of uh the, the the doctor's face in the the, the, the sort of melted hourglass central uh, what is what is it uh what are they called egg the egg timery type thing in the middle of the central console i love i do like that uh i like the tardis with the uh when it's made of bric-a-brac i'm much more of a it should be bric-a-brac i'm not a fan of the it's grown it's it's all shells and organic uh, i like the it's 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 a, a high-tech piece of equipment that has over the years fallen to bits and has been mended by hammering a gramophone and an egg timer uh and some chess pieces uh and doesn't jody Whittaker have custard creams i like that um oh and here's uh his uh close closing time coming up which uh gosh i haven't seen for ages but um anyway nobody's chosen that nobody has chosen that uh oh don't do that thank you sorry i was just uh i was just uh um stopping the the credits from shrinking and now did did the uh did the next time trailers make it onto the dvd i know on the dvds of the year before they got chopped off and i remember being furious about that because uh used to go uh well let's not get into that but yeah For people who buy doctor who on dvd like it to be the program that they watched and that includes the next time trailer which has been on all the previous dvds somebody some highly paid person so i went uh yeah i think what well, i'm gonna carry it yeah i think what we need to do is get rid of the next time trailers uh because i think uh, that's going with the zeitgeist uh, i i want to kidnap that person and tell them why they were wrong and anyway, i'm still furious about it <laughs> which is probably why i haven't got the dvd from the shelf i don't know but I, do, I don't even think it was this season see now that's me being a typical luxury fan i'm getting furious about something that actually doesn't pertain to and i've invented a person to be annoyed with oh see ah. Oh. Uh, unnecessary anger that will be that's what's in the room the hotel room of uh of, of of your average doctor who fan of my age uh i really enjoyed that what is uh stefan allen going to choose as his what oh no i've got to choose my five things well nick huron the director uh number one uh just because i think it's so confident for all the reasons i outlined there there were so many uh just just from the you know, the, 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 the the choice of what to focus on the the the, the creepy camera up the thing the, that that cutting that cutting and 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 the and the typing and all of that sort of stuff which i thought was you, you know that and the scream then the smile and the, oh brilliant all the different that that nick current everything about nick current's direction i thought was superb uh, I would also choose Rita's death, which I think is an extraordinarily moving scene. Really well done. It's dramatic and it's moving. Uh, and also it's got a little spine to it. <laughs> Gibbis eating the fish. But I think, um, well, I think, can I sort of say Rita and Rita's, because Rita's death works partially because of of the work of Amara Karan throughout the episode to, to to make that character she's a great character on paper as well but she it's a really good performance she's you know you really feel the impact of that that loss which you know so her character arc if you like comes to an end with her death of course it does um but uh, but but I think that's an accumulation of, of all the goodwill that she's given us so so Rita slash Rita's death yes I'm gonna have that uh 
I think the central wheeze of uh, having hotel rooms with your biggest fear inside them, you know, uh, is 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 a great that whole central, you know. Well, I can't say too many elements of it, but the the base under siege element. But I think, but yeah, but I think that that hook of uh, behind the door is your greatest fear, is a great basis for a for a Doctor Who for a Doctor Who story. Um, I will also choose the production design, the hotel, which I think is magnificent. Um, and it allows for those tracking camera shots. It's I think that I think the colours are all superb because it's not it's not all dark and spooky, although it is in certain places. And yet it is still scary because of um, because of the various shots you can get you can get in it. And uh, and you know that's a that's a that's a tribute to a really good piece of design that it doesn't go the oh we'll you know we'll turn all the lights off and make it dark and moody. It's it's actually quite sort of plush and also quite naff. Um, and very evocative of of the place that you know that they're trapped in and, and yet you know it allows us uh all sorts of great visuals uh so that's for what is my fifth um well does uh, does does i I, I mean I particularly like the the typed the praise him that 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 bit that they have whenever anyone gets taken over of the scream the smile the close up the writing of the praise him the the quick cutting I, I know that probably comes in with Nick Curran's direction but I think I think that particular bit it's it's unique to that story and it's so clever and it does so much. Uh, uh, that I think I'm going to give it its its own place. So there we go. Those are my five things. Nick Curran's direction, uh, Rita slash Rita's death, the production design, the the very the core idea of having the thing you fear behind uh, a door, and the <laughs> praise him. Uh, what has Stefan chosen? Thing one. Okay, let's talk about what I love from the God Complex. The first thing, that this has to be number one, I bet Toby guessed this, is the character of Rita. And not just the character, everything about her, the writing, the performance, it all comes together. She might be my favourite, one of my favourite sort of one-off characters of all time. Um, you know, she, she's only in this episode, but actually I even think, you know, she, she deserves the companion status for my mind. She's sort of a, a very classic Doctor Who companion. She's clever and brave. And she's not just clever, her mind works almost sideways, you know, in this lateral way where she's constantly not just working out what's going on, she's thinking about what might be going on. The fact that she thinks, I wonder if this is hell, and if so, what does that mean? She's not scared of the idea that she might be in hell. You know, this is just another thing, her faith will pull her through. I love that her faith is so important to her. You know, I think we see a lot in Doctor Who. Doctor Who can do a good job of representing people from marginalised groups. And I think Rita is the best example for a lot of the audience. I think a lot of people watching Doctor Who won't personally know any people of the Muslim faith. And I think Rita is an amazing example of someone 
for whom her faith is really important to her, but it's also not everything about her. Uh, I, I love the performance choices. I love, you know, when she laughs, it's not like, it's not like a lazy actorly laugh. It's, you know, the performer has thought about the way that this character puts herself across. It's She's such a fully formed character. When she's afraid or when she's upset, she's really thought about what that should look like on her face. I should have looked up the name of the actor. I think she's called Karam Ahara. Is that right? Sorry if that's not right. Um, she's absolutely wonderful. Hugely underrated, I think. I'd, I'd love to see her in more stuff. Uh, so that's it. It's the, it's the character that still breaks my heart that she couldn't be a full-time Doctor Who companion. And that is Rita. Oh, very nicely put. And I get a point. Uh, very nicely put. Um, and it's, yes, it is. It's Amara Koran. And uh, when... Uh, Stefan recorded this. She hadn't got her own series on BBC One, but she has now. So his wish uh, that uh, he could see her in more things has been fulfilled. Um, uh, but I can't now remember the name of the series, but she's the lead. It's a police police uh, thingy. Um, right. Uh, cozy police drama, I think. Um, right. Not enough aliens for me. We have a thing in this house whenever I've been watching something that the other half wants to watch. <laughs> I always go, uh, so which ones are the aliens then? <laughs> and it's a joke I'd never get tired of. Uh, <laughs> and never will. Um, so good thing to... Yes, so I agree. Rita is ace. Uh, uh, no, Rita's not ace. That would be that would be a real twist, wouldn't it? Um, Rita is uh, superb, uh, well-written well acted and it means that stefan and i well no that i'm i'm ahead i am ahead so i'm gonna enjoy that for the brief moment it lasts because i'm sure we're not going to get two things in a row stefan's choice number two the second thing i love about the god complex is the hotel the hotel itself is such a character in this story i think i think you know I grew up watching old Doctor Who and collecting them on VHSs. And you'd realise, you know, a lot of the time they didn't quite have the production budget for huge lavish sets. But the best stories, I think, are the ones where the set is part of the storytelling, the aesthetic. I think the idea of setting it not just in a hotel, this story, but in an 80s hotel and a slightly, in some ways, an off-putting one. You know, it's sort of slightly twee, it's slightly kitsch, perhaps. And I think the production team have done an amazing job between the set dressing and the uh, and, and the design, the wallpaper, the, the carpets. Uh, I don't know how much of that was already there when they found their location and how much was added on, but it really brings it to life. I can smell it, I feel, when I watch it. I feel I can, I, I can feel the dust in the air of this sort of slightly static hotel with airs above its graces. Uh, so, so I love the hotel. I love the... Not just the corridors, but the little rooms, you know, when we see... Like, it's got a hairdressing salon in it, which is such a sort of eccentric choice, but it feels true. I realise it's not a real hotel, but um, but it but it, it really feels like one. It feels like it really exists. The fact that the photos on the wall, uh, the characters are dressed in this sort of stiff school uniform style. Everything about it brings to life this 80s period. The fact that there's a Rubik's Cube, you know, not a point is made of it. It's a little prop the Doctor plays with. Uh, but it really brings to life the 80s without having to do any um, sort of big in-your-face kind of this-is-the-80s stuff. It's just brought to life by the set dressing. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, put, and I, I'd forgotten. I, I, I was obviously thinking about something else when the Rubik's cube appeared. But yeah, it's very cleverly evocative. And but I, I, I'm interested that that it has that effect on Stefan because I, I am from 1980. Well, I was born in 1974. So, um, you know, that's the. the, the and I think I said when you know the pictures were on the wall, it, it, it reminded me of you know, being the, 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 the smells of, of that time, because that's where I was, you know, I was, I went to school in the 1980s. So that's, you know, that's very much up my, uh, up my memory lane, as it were. Well, I, I've got two points out of two, because I think that the hotel counts, doesn't it? Did I, did I, I said I the, the production design of the hotel, but I meant the hotel, no, I'm giving, I'm having a point for that. So, uh, number three. Uh, he's got to choose the director. Come the on. third thing oh, I love man. is the mystery. Uh, I'm a sucker for a mystery show. I was a huge fan of The Prisoner, that 60s uh, brilliant, terrific show, which is so mind-bending and gives more questions than answers. I was a huge fan of Lost, I'll admit it, and I went off Lost when I was getting too many answers and too little mystery. Um, Life on Mars, I, th I think I liked watching Life on Mars and sort of, work, you know, trying to work out what it all meant. And I always preferred working it out to getting the answers. Uh, so I love a mystery. And my favourite Doctor Who episodes are the mystery ones where, uh, you know, other stories like that include things like Heaven Sent. And is it Excelsior? Is that the um, the, the Peter Capaldi episode uh, that, that features the Pope? Uh, you know, you're always sort of wondering what's going on here. And I think that's something Doctor Who can do really well. So I, I love the mystery. I love that, I, you know, the first thing I saw of the God Complex was the trailer the week before, the, tr the next time trailer, which you see these kind of images of, you know, sad clowns in hotel rooms or PE teachers or the Weeping Angels. How can the Weeping Angels be in this if it's not an angel's story? It just throws these images at you and you've, you've got to be constantly sort of trying to piece it together. Uh, so I love the mystery. Uh, well, I don't get a point for that. Oh, can he can he bring it up from behind? Uh, yes. Um, I haven't got much to add to that. He's an excellent guest, isn't he, Stefan? I love I love his enthusiasm and the and the way he's dis describing and enunciating the things that he likes. Uh, I do like hearing other people talking about. That's what I sort of like about this show uh, is uh, hearing other people, you know, get enthused about the show that we love. And uh, I'm really liking his. Uh, enthusiasm that I think is far more eloquent than, than mine has been so far this evening. The fourth thing I love, I Toby, you won't have guessed this, I think. It's oh. such a tiny detail, but to me it's the heart and soul of what Doctor Who is. It's the fact that the Doctor loves tiny details. It's that moment at the start where he's excited about a plant. He's excited about a bowl full of apples. He's looking at every tiny detail in that hotel. I've already spoken about how much I love about the hotel set dressing and the design, but it's the fact that the Doctor loves it as well. I think when I watch a great episode of Doctor Who, it, it makes me want to lean in closer and examine every tiny little bit. It makes me want to question, why are they in that costume? Why was that musical cue chosen? What exactly are they going for with that particular spaceship sound effect? I think Doctor Who does a great job of making people excited about the production of television, about all the tiny decisions that get made that add up into one huge thing. And here that's distilled into the Doctor seeing a hotel going, great, look what episode we're in this week. We're in a hotel episode and oh, it really feels like a real hotel. I think Doctor Who is often quite metafictional in that it's 
you know, often the Doctor will comment on things in a way that kind of transcends its televisualness. Um, stories like Vengeance on Varos, which are about the making of television. And I think this is another classic example of that. I think Stefan should be the host of this podcast, not me. That was brilliant. Uh, I don't get a point for the Doctor's well, is it interest in the little things, but I love that, that description of the show um, making us excited about the process of making television without ever, you know... Um, you know, sort of distancing us from the drama. You know, it never says, well, switch off from the, the emotion and the plot and the excitement. But but if we've really switched you on, switched you on to it, now, you know, you are going to, you know, I've, I've been listening to podcasts and doing a bit of delving myself about the minutiae of the delegates in the Daleks master plan, you know, and, and, and there's a brilliant podcast about, you know, which Dalek props are used for what and where and which when it's one skirt and when it's somebody else's top and when it's skirt three and midsection two and all that sort of stuff. And that stuff I find fascinating and there's just so much because if you break uh, anything like a television production down to its constituent parts, well, there are so many. I was just that, that, that bit in that where, you know, they go from the sound of the kettle to the sound of the sonic screwdriver. It's tiny little bits like that. Those choices that are made and then those things that are sourced and then it's, oh, and was that in the script? And if it wasn't, that means the director put it on or did the sound person come and suggest, you know, oh, so many, 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 many uh uh, and, there's, and there's so much attention to detail, especially in modern television. Well, I mean, it's different. It's different. But modern, you know, the, 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 there are so many more shots, uh, usually more lo- locations, more setups, um, more bits of set dressing. And, uh, so there's so much. Uh, and it's such a rich production, uh, the God Complex, that I can see. Uh, and yeah, and, and Matt Smith's Doctor, the bit with the cheese plant is great. Um, you, you know, yeah, the uh, the, the Doctor you know, delighting in, and, and also it's, it's a sign of the character as well, is that the Doctor notices the little things because they may be part of the bigger picture. Uh, and, and, you know, forensically looking at the microscopics is, uh, is you know, speaks speaks of why the character is, you know, often ahead of everybody else. But it's also great fun. Brilliantly put, Stefan, but uh, I don't get a point for that. He's got to choose the director. Come on. Come on, one to go. It's two all. Can I? So it was a new series episode I won with before, wasn't it? Come on, Toby. The fifth and final thing I love about the God Complex, uh, and in some ways I've saved, not the best till last, Rita is the best, but here is something that I think is so true about Doctor Who. Um, Most Doctor Who episodes, the Doctor is trying to solve a mystery and, you know, especially modern episodes, there's not that much space, there's not that much time to get everything done. So most modern one-part episodes, the Doctor sees that there's a mystery, runs away from some monsters, saves some lives, maybe loses some lives, and then goes, aha, I've got it, I've solved the mystery. That is a very classic structure to a, a modern Doctor Who episode. The God Complex does such a beautiful thing. This is, my, this is one of my favourite things in the episode. The Doctor gets it wrong. The Doctor does work out the mystery. He works out, aha, the monster wants you afraid. And he's right. They do, the monster, the hotel wants people to be afraid. But he doesn't think it far enough ahead. The monster doesn't want them to be afraid because fear makes them vulnerable. It's because fear makes them fall back on their faith. It's the faith that's needed. The Doctor doesn't clock that. He thinks faith is keeping them safe, if anything. He's completely wrong. I love it. I love the fact that 
this episode, with all its wild imagery, with all its monsters and weirdness, with all the excitement, with all the death and heartbreak, there is still time for the Doctor to make an educated guess about what's going on, to get that wrong, and to correct himself and work out a new correct answer. It's the scientific process, really. I think in a lot of the best Doctor Who stories, the Doctor does act like a scientist. He gathers information and comes up with a theory. But here we see the scientific process in action, where you come up with a theory and then you get more information that proves that theory wrong. You amend the theory. I love it. That moment where the Doctor realises that telling people to fall back on their faith is what got them killed is heartbreaking. And I love it. Oh, I love you, Stefan. I love the way that uh, Stefan articulated that. And I think, did I get that wrong? No, I think I was just so keen jumping ahead. And, and uh, uh, I think because in my head, I know that the faith is the thing that needs to be broken and the faith is the thing that feeds the monster. But of course, yes, prior to that, the whole idea that we're presented with is that great is a great science fiction idea. Yes, um, the fear provoked by the thing that scares you uh that yes and i think i jumped i think in my reasoning i jumped a little ahead when i was talking about it because of course i've seen it before so i know i know the twist but uh, and and i was probably too busy talking but yes that is a that is a superb that that it would be enough of a story wouldn't it if it presented you with something that scares you provokes fear feeds off your fear that's a great science fiction idea but no the, what you do to fight your fear is to fall back on your faith and that's what it's trying to do so it's 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 two steps ahead of you it's it's like yeah somebody throwing something at you in order that you put your shield up because your shield is made of a metal that that gives you know that 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 gives it the strength of 10 men or that makes it you know that feeds it or that turns it on or whatever that the thing that you use to protect yourself is the thing that it desires so it very cleverly uh you know takes you takes you down a path where you'll be in such a state that you need to you know pull up your strongest defenses because your strongest defenses uh what it needs that is a really clever idea and i didn't i didn't cover that anything like as well in the in the commentary as stefan did there i thought that was really uh, on point and very well put and uh, it is a, a great strength of the story and a really clever uh, idea and I love uh, the way that Stefan articulated that uh, so he won I think he deserved to what an excellent guest but I have a treat for him and for you uh, dear listener because he is not the only guest uh, on this edition of happy times and places because i emailed the writer of the god complex toby whithouse to see if he could give us his favorite things uh, and i don't think he's broken it up into five so normally what i i uh, would do well, normally i've only done it once before where i where the director andy goddard of the next doctor chose his five favorite things and then we could see who'd, who'd got the same amount i think i think toby's just sent me his his thoughts on the episode but that's a nice bonus bit of insight from the horse's mouth, from the from the successful Doctor Who Toby, <laughs> from the actual Doctor Who Toby, Toby Whithouse. Uh, Toby says, the God Complex. Here's a splurge of thoughts about it. Feel free to use as much or as little in whatever form or order you like. Well, I'm just going to read it out. 
So yes, says Toby Whithouse, writer of The God Complex, this is my favourite of all the Who episodes I've written. It began, as a lot of my Who scripts did, with a one-pitch line from Stephen. The Doctor and Amy and Rory find themselves in a spooky hotel where the corridors and walls keep moving and shifting. I loved the idea from the get-go. I'm a huge fan of Sapphire and Steel, and this felt like the sort of adventure they'd have. Plus, I love the Chamber Piece episodes. One of my favourite Who's of all time is Midnight, something creepy, less reliant on big CGI effects, and more character-driven. I took a step back from it, and thought about this hotel that twists and turns and changes, and how it was like a maze. Then I thought about what could be in the middle of the maze, and I thought about Theseus and the Minotaur. I loved the Greek myths when I was a kid, and I've always been fascinated by the Minotaur, so that felt like the logical and quite exciting solution. So I had a setting, and I had my monster. The nightmares were a later addition. In fact, I think I'd got as far as writing an outline, and we all looked at it and decided it wasn't working, so we came up with the notion of the hotel being populated by everyone's worst fear. I felt strongly that amongst the other prisoners should be an alien, and I came up with a race called the Tivoli. I don't know why, but I wanted a sort of Douglas Adams kind of alien, stupid and supine. I loved writing that character. It was really useful to have. Not so much a traitor in the ranks, but someone utterly unreliable, utterly self-serving. A character like that helps generate plot and events. I thought Amara Karan was absolutely wonderful as Rita, and in a story uh, that had now evolved into an exploration of faith, I felt it was absolutely vital that we didn't use Christianity, but embraced something else. My friend Paul Cornell was very complimentary about that aspect. He liked the line where, in response to the Doctor saying gleefully, you're Muslim, Rita replies with, don't be frightened. Yeah, I thought that was great. Uh, he said that he's had similar interactions when the topic of his own faith comes up. Nick Curran did a spectacular job. There are too many moments to pick out, but there's a couple I have to mention. In the pre-titles, when the policewoman is succumbing to the magic in the hotel, she sat on the floor of a corridor. I remember watching it and thinking, oh God, what I really want to happen now is for the shadow of the Minotaur to hit the wall at the end of the corridor, around 1 minute 42 seconds. And it did! That's when I thought we were in the hands of a genuinely brilliant director. He totally understood the episode, the tone, the intention. The next moment is around 2302, when the Minotaur is stalking them through the hotel and they're all hiding. The Minotaur's horn scrapes a bit of the ceiling, which causes a little flurry of plaster dust to fall. It's a beautiful shot. Where else are you going to see something like that? There was a lot of debate among the fans about what was in Room 11. I was always happy for it to remain a mystery, but I had a sneaking suspicion it was actually the Doctor himself. Or at least a personification of his arrogance, vanity, solipsism, isolation, and the accumulation of his a thousand plus years of carnage and horror. I put a clue in the Doctor's line, of course, who else? I think ultimately Stephen made it the crack in time, which was also obviously completely fine. The design is wonderful, the awful kitsch wallpaper. I wanted it to be like the kind of hotels I'd be dragged to on family holidays in the 70s. It's beautifully judged, not too self-aware, not too avert. Just look at the mugs the Doctor and Rita drink their tea from around 17 minutes in. Finally, this episode has a special place in my heart as I took my kids on a set visit. They were obviously much younger then. Matt and Karen couldn't have been nicer or more generous and gracious to my kids, which I'll always remember. 
We stood behind the cameras watching the scene where the hologram falls apart and the Minotaur collapses onto the floor. I can watch the episode and forget the script. I think the design, the direction and the performances are genuinely breathtaking. I'm incredibly proud to have contributed to it. Contributed? You wrote it, mate. Uh, thanks so much to Toby. I love that. And aren't I lucky that um, I can send people who've done Doctor Who things an email and they will reply to me. And I hope you as the listener um, uh, enjoy benefiting from that. I think it brings a nice extra money. I mean, the episode, this episode, I felt we would have had a, enough with uh, Stefan, who I think has proved to be an articulate, uh, passionate, uh, eloquent uh, advocate for... Uh, series, uh, an episode that needed no defending, but I thought uh, I thought the perspectives that Stefan Great were really, really refreshing and fascinating to hear. And then to have Toby uh, give his, you know, insight from you know the thought processes behind making it. I've I've gone into this knowing this is an episode that I liked. I've come out, I think, actually acknowledging it's an episode I love, and with a fresh appreciation for uh, watching it as a Doctor Who fan and talking about, even though we didn't talk directly, other Who fans about it, about what enthuses us about the show, but also about the creative process, the all the different choices that go into making an episode so memorable and so good. And those choices start with the writer, you know, who puts it all on the on the paper. And I thought, I think Toby's a brilliant uh, writer of Doctor Who. I, I would have, uh, uh, you know, happily seen uh, more episodes uh, from Toby and I hope we get to see some more in the future because I think he's a he's a very good writer of character and jokes I think I think all of his episodes have got some some great jokes and I remember just thinking so line after line in Vampires of Venice that was so good um, uh, and uh, I, I, I think I've only met him a couple of times he came to see Moth Saint My Doctor Who Scarf in Brighton and sent me a message on Facebook after afterwards just saying you know I, I was in your show this afternoon which i thought was extremely kind so but i think we've only actually met once or twice um but he very kindly answered my email to give us a bit of uh insight into a fantastic episode that if you haven't seen for a while i would urge you to um here are stefan's final plugs i think stefan has been a fabulous guest so i hope you listen to what he has to say now Thank you very much for having me, Toby. Thank you for asking me to do this. I love uh, sharing my favourite episodes with people, even if it's someone like you who's uh, seen all of Doctor Who, no doubt, countless times. But it's still quite nice, isn't it, for hardcore fans to kind of ask each other what they love about it. You always get new answers. Um, I've loved listening to the other episodes of this as well. Uh, I'm going to plug myself now. I'm going to do that. I'm going to tell you that my, uh, I am... Uh, at Stalin on uh, Twitter, Stalin with a U, S-T-A-L-U-N. Um, follow me on Twitter, that would be great. Uh, the other thing I would love you to check out is my podcast. That's the Rats in Boiler Suit uh, Podcasts, which is my Torchwood podcast. Uh, me and Kim uh, watch episodes of Torchwood and then talk about it. And our sort of USP, I suppose, is that we are both um, Welsh bisexuals and we are watching the most Welsh bisexual tv program in the world uh so yeah I'd, I'd love it if you would check that out wherever you get your normal podcasts uh thank you very much ah oh, i am thrilled that i asked stefan uh and in fact i think i might ask him to do another one um 
because I thought that was because he, he had mentioned an, another episode that he quite fancied doing, uh, and I said, "Well, choose," uh, and he chose he chose that. But uh, his 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 other episode that he quite fancied doing is from an era that has not been terribly well represented in happy times and places. So I'm going to thwack him an email and say, "I tell you what, do the other one as well," because uh, I really I'm buoyed by uh, his uh, his his joy and his uh, perceptiveness. Uh, and I'm bored reading that because uh, I'd got the I'd got the email from Toby, but I I hadn't read through it in case in case it, it, it uh, in case um, it, it was going to affect you know how I chose my things. I'd, I'd seen that it wasn't one two three four five, um, but I was I was sort of doing it on the hop. Uh, so I'm I'm enthused by uh, by Toby's insights too. So I hope you leave this as enthused as I do. Uh, I've really enjoyed myself in the past. Uh, hour or so it's probably longer than that isn't it uh, watching a great doctor who episode having great perspectives on that doctor who episode flung to me from from a viewer and from a creator uh and feasting on uh, all the sort of mental stimulation it gives me thinking about all the brilliant things about my favorite program that i hope is your favorite program too and that it takes you as it takes me to all of my happiest of times and places Ta-ta. Praise him. What? Nothing. Well, thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest this time around was Stefan Allen, who can be found on Twitter at Stallen. That's a big S, small T, a big A, L-U-N. Stallen. And I'd like to thank him. I'd also, of course, like to thank the patrons who make these podcasts possible. And they include Adam Parker, James Bell, Lee Wakerley, Drew, Stephen Smith, a.k.a. Dalek Fan, Risto Mitty Sarillo, Peter Blackett, Andy Parkinson, Ruben Herfindahl, Peter Burns, Peter Harness, Rob Leonard, Stephen Moffat, Richard Straw, Nick Tedston, couple of Davids who wish their surnames to be anonymous, I think. And this, if you haven't been hearing your surnames, Davids, that's answer your messages what I sent you. Jenny at Bluebox99, Paul Carrington, Paul Cook, and Richard Chalk. The music for these podcasts is by Dave Gates. So, if you would like to join their number, those patrons whose names I mentioned at least 50% of, <laughs> I can only go with what I've furnished with, uh, and I've erred on the side of uh, anonymity, if I'm not sure, because I don't want to out anybody as uh, uh, pouring their hard-earned cash into my coffers, should it be something they understandably want to keep a secret. However, you can be uh, out and proud and doing it or in the closet. Either way, both are possible at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock. You won't believe what's there. Advance releases, bonus material, uh, various other bits of access uh, and it's all available at the lowest tier, £3 uh, per month. There are other little trinkets as you as ascend the tier ladder, but it's mostly there uh, from uh, you know from the £3 a month level, which you can also get 10% off if you sign up for a year. That's at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke. Uh, if you don't fancy the monthly thing, uh, you can just uh, go to ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydoke and do a one-off payment whenever you like or whenever you think I sound like I need a bit of a boost. But look, I totally understand uh, in these uh, financial 
times and also just the nature of the way we consume uh, entertainment. I use the word loosely as far as this is concerned. That, uh, you know, it's not a thing we necessarily pay for. So I'll tell you what costs nothing but uh, would gladden the cockles. Do you gladden the cockles? No, you warm the cockles. Well, do you know what? Uh, you can warm them and gladden them because my cockles respond very well to warmth. Uh, it makes them very glad. So you, you, if you, if you, you can put a, you could put a metaphorical jumper on my cockles, which will make them metaphorically very happy. No, actually very happy. I don't have cockles. Um, by going to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Most of what I just said was nonsense. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm not doing it again. This is the post credits. This is all free, whether you pay or not. Uh, go to iTunes and give these a five-star review. Five stars really helps um, to make my cockles look really appealing to any passing whales. Who eats cockles? Seagulls? Uh, but we don't want to feed seagulls, do we? They're really they're vicious and quite covetous, I think. I mean, they see a thing and they want it. Uh, they don't ask, do they? They just swoop it. Anyway, just five stars uh, on iTunes. Uh, and a couple of lines of review saying what you like about these podcasts really helps to um, get them ascending up the podcast ladder. And they're aiming for the very top. It's very unlikely. I think there are podcasts about uh, Play-Doh and dogging that get that get more listenership than a bespoke Doctor Who podcast. But there we go. Um, go to those places and say nice things about me, please. It's it's or it will it will give me the validation I never got from my parents. Yeah, okay. No, that went off on one, didn't it? Uh, I'm a stand-up comedian as well. Uh, I know it's difficult to believe. I've been one for 24 years. Uh, no, I've been one for longer than that. But for 24 years, I have run and compared a comedy club in Manchester called Excess Malarkey. That's every Tuesday night at 8pm. Uh, and we have a monthly online show because we went online during the pandemic and it proved quite popular. And we have acts from all around the world. And that's free at the point of entry, though we do ask for donations just to... Uh, just to keep us going, really. Uh, and uh, But, you know, you can pay what you like. And it's a great entertaining show from 8pm at twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey. First Sunday of every month. If you go up there anytime, there's an archive of past shows that can show you the sort of acts that we have. We've had everyone from Nish Kumar to James Acaster to Eddie Pepitone to John Glazer from Parks and Rec to uh, an act you've never heard of that's just plugging away on the circuit and just happens to be brilliant and may well be a star of the future. That's the nature of the gig. That's at twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey. Uh, I love the fact that Stefan uh, opened <laughs> this uh, thing by referring to Doctors Who. I like that. Doctors Who is good, isn't it? Uh, I really enjoyed uh, his contribution. I'm going to be saying Doctors Who a lot now. Um, I, In fact, I sent a, an email. Oh, yes, today. Uh, I uh, Ah, here's a thing. Today, and this will be useful for a future Happy Times and Places. Here's an exclusive. Um, although I'm, you know. It's an exclusive that's basically hot air because I can't I'm not going to go into detail, but I have been emailing a key contributor to 80s Doctor Who, who was never been interviewed on any of the DVD or Blu-ray range because, frankly, we couldn't find him. I have now found him uh, too late for any of the DVDs and most of the Blu-rays. But um, it's a contact that means I'm doing an interview tomorrow about Doctor Who. 
who can that be with? Well, stay tuned. It's it's, it's not with John Nathan Turner used to say stay tuned. He's he was interviewed a lot and has died. So um, that would uh, it's well, it's not him. Uh, but anyway, that's something to look forward to. That's that's made me quite pleased today anyway. Um, and I hope uh, I hope your day has been good whenever it is you end up listening to this. All right. Um, I think, yeah, let's not get into. Yeah, I think my my hotel room would be full of me talking crap um, and not knowing when to shut up. Um, if it's yours, <laughs> you're in it. Sorry about that. <laughs>